0: This is a podcast from BBC Worldwide, who help fund new BBC programmes.
1: Welcome to Doctor Who The Fan Show. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Fan Show. This month we are talking about the Daleks and joining me to talk about the Daleks is the fabulous Nick Briggs who has been doing the voices for the Daleks since 2005 and before that in Big Finish which you are also the executive producer of.
1: That's correct, yes, yes. and since I was five, although I wasn't an executive producer of Big Finish when I was five, although it sort of feels like that sometimes.
0: So before we get stuck in, Nick, mm. as, a, as a Dalek expert, yes. would you mind going through uh, the creation of the Daleks for us?
1: well as uh, terry nation the writer was uh, asked to write a script for doctor who and he was a, a writer for a, a big comedian back in the uh, or comic actor back in the 60s tony hancock people may have heard of hancock's half hour and uh, so you know terry nation i think really felt that he'd arrived as a big proper writer and you know and to be asked to write something like a kids tv show uh, he was uh, i th- he rejected it out of hand but then he fell out with Tony Hancock, who's historically known to have been a, a difficult person to get along with, and they had a big round, uh, and he was sacked. And so he quickly said to his agent, "Is that you haven't said no to that BBC gig for kids, have you? And so he uh, he worked, I don't know how quickly he worked, but it was something like a script a week or something like that, and he, he's been quoted as saying, I've heard him saying in interviews from back in the day, you know, yeah, take the money and run like a, run like a thief in the night you know <laughs> so he was very much I mean it's such a, a brilliant structure man he just knew how to tell a story and mm. to just hook you and he just got some great ideas got them down and um, you know a very brief description of the Daleks and there's lots of discussion about how the Ray who, who designed the Dalek is the real creator of the Daleks but you know he took inspiration from that small bit of text that Terry wrote about you know what they should look like Uh, And then, of course, the guys doing the voices, they created all that. Brian Hodgson at the Radiophonic Workshop, you know, had had an idea for using a ring modulator to do a funny voice, which he'd done on another programme before. And all that came together for two moments. One was when they hadn't actually built the Dalek prop, but at the end of an episode, one of the Doctor's companions is confronted by a Dalek and all they see is the sucker. Mm. And she screams with such terror (laughs) that people thought they'd seen something awful you know, Terry Nation said that people phoned him up and said, you know, what was that thing? You know, it was a sink plunger, you know, but it was And the music, the weird music, and it's just an incredible moment. And then the next moment is when they actually reveal the Daleks. And I just don't think, you know, people are always making comments about everyday objects now and saying, oh, it looks a bit like a Dalek. But no, no one said that before then because, of course, there were no Daleks and I don't think there'd ever been anything like that. No. You look at all the old robots in old movies, they didn't... Yeah, they were, you know, that that thinking of let's get rid of the two arms and two legs idea mm-hmm. because Ray Cusick said that his original, one of one of the unhelpful briefs he was given, like, well, just put some cylinders on someone's arms and legs and just have them walk around like that. That's terrible. We thought, I know, let's break up the outline of the human being and make it look entirely original. it's yeah. quite remarkable, really.
0: And in terms of the fictional world, I mean, there are kind of, kind of two origin stories for the Daleks. Yeah, We've yeah. got the uh, the first time we see them in 1963, uh, the Daleks, where um, they speak of a, a war happening and mutation, but we don't actually see their creator. Uh, the concept of a creator isn't introduced until uh, Genesis of the Daleks in 1975.
1: Yes, I mean so you don't really, no one really knows when that first Dalek story was set. Mm. The idea was, I think, that we sort of assume that it's very early on in their development somehow, Mm. but that doesn't quite fit with what happened in Genesis of the Daleks. No. But you know, Terry Nation wrote Genesis of the Daleks because, allegedly, according to the script editor Terence Dix and probably the producer Barry Letts in the 70s, they asked Terry Nation to produce another Dalek script for them, as he was starting to do every year, for about three years running. And they, the story goes, they said, this is all very nice, Terry, but th- isn't this the one you wrote for us last year? Mm-hmm. So it was the idea that he'd done Death <laughs> to the Daleks or Planet of the Daleks again. Aww. And so he, he went, oh, uh, and they said, why don't you do one about the origin of the Daleks? So, you know, mm. he delivered the scripts impeccably on time. Uh, He came up with a new idea. I think that, you know, Doctor Who was big then, but I don't think people ever thought that people, fans, would still be studying the old programmes and would even remember or know about that stuff. So the bald truth is, folks, Mm. that it completely contradicted everything that had come before. (laughs) However, you can sort of, with a bit of, you can kind of make them fit and say, well, they didn't mention Davros because of X, Y, Z. So I don't know. There's a theory that the first Dalek story is actually the last Dalek story. That, that is the, the complete destruction oh. of the Daleks. Yes. When they oh, somehow have retreated to their city and can't go yeah. outside anymore. Yeah. And that yeah. really is the end of the Daleks. That's, ah. quite, that's giving me chills Ooh. just saying that. But yeah, I've always been crazy about them. And they are, of course... Uh, I feel sort of immodest saying this, but it's nothing to do with me, really. Um, the reason that we're still here talking about Doctor Who now, because Doctor Who would not have survived without the yeah. Daleks. Yeah. That's bizarre, because they're always trying to kill him. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, they are the reason Doctor Who became a success. Mm-hmm. And I would also, strangely feeling immodest again, but again, nothing to do with me, I would also say that every other Doctor Who monster is kind of an attempt to be as good as the Daleks, yes. you know, in one way or another. I know more recently we've had... You know, crazier, weirder things which have stepped away from that, but certainly all those classic monsters, you know, all of them wanted to sort of capture Mm. that feeling of, you know. Implacable yeah. evil.
0: Well, it's interesting because you know the creation of the Daleks, uh, I guess, was inspired by. I mean, it's very obviously inspired by the Nazis. Which mm. you know, 1963, um, they hadn't been out of ra- rations that long. in The war, uh, although it happened, you know, 20 20 years earlier, they still were feeling the effects of that. And I think to see that reflected on TV was still probably quite a big thing.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, the villains in fiction always reflects the preoccupations of that generation and you know to say that in the early 60s people were still very much thinking about world war ii is no exaggeration because frankly you know when i was growing up in the 70s it was a big part of my life because my parents and my grandparents had lived through it and their the the narrative of their life was very much caught up in that they would often talk about oh you know the carpet factory down the road that used to get bombed every week and you know you just had these things all the time another interesting influence on the daleks is the whole fear of atomic power yes and the mutations that radiation could cause so that was another preoccupation at the time and another thing that i've just recently speculated upon um is because i was watching a documentary about um Uh, you know potentials for pandemics and terrible diseases Mm. and back in the early 60s smallpox had still not yet been cured and when you see pictures of the poor people who were victims of that terrible disease that all the pock marks on them there's something very similar they're similar to the 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 bumps on a Dalek as I can see see. on the. and I think there's something about bumps like that that in those days triggered something and i'm i'm not saying the designer was mm. necessarily thinking about it consciously but they triggered something about bad something awful oh, that's and deathly like about a, a lots sub, of bumps
0: like a subconscious level yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah oh that's interesting and i guess with daleks it's uh it's about sort of sort of mutation as well what yes. the the horrors of what's inside that you know that enclosure as well which is yeah. quite still quite a mystery i mean we do see what's inside but um
1: just claw a claw of it a, coming a, out from yeah, under the Yeah, and it's, first a, story. it's a
0: quite a frightening thought, I think, mm. you know, the, the fact that, you know, these, these, all, these poor mutated creatures are the, what an awful existence to have, I think, you know. Yes, and, and I, I think that
1: the, the theme about sort of helpless, strange, ghastly aliens being inside <laughs> powerful war machines, that's something that H.G. Wells had done in War of the uh-huh. Worlds. And I think, you know, when Terry Nation had to quickly get this script going, you know, at the last minute, suddenly thought, yeah, I will take that job now, <laughs> now that I've fallen out with Tony Haggard. I think he just, uh, he must have just sort of had a crash course in his mind of all the science fiction things he ever remembered. Yeah. And, and I, I dare say he uh, had read at some point all the Worlds*.
0: Yeah.
1: Although for legal reasons, I can't be sure. <laughs>
0: Interestingly, the Daleks became so popular that Terry Nation uh, tried to spin them off into their own series uh, in the States.
1: That's right. Yeah, he sort of took them away from the BBC. and you know, they did The power of the Daleks and then the evil of the Daleks was going to be the last ever Dalek story in Doctor mm. Who. And so they blew the Daleks up completely and the Doctor said it was the final end. And it's interesting that Terry Nation wanted to do that because, you know, in Big Finish for the audio adventures, we actually did do Dalek standalone stuff that I wrote and directed. It was, someone said it was like my concept album, oh. uh, where a Dalek Empire and the Daleks waging a war against the civilised species of the galaxy. And um, It was an interesting thing to do and it would have been interesting to see if they could have ever done a Dalek TV series because of course you can't make the Daleks the stars. You, know, you can't say, yeah, what will Dalek Dave do next week and you know, will he split up with his girlfriend? It's not going to be that, is it? But, uh, To to have a story that is about an enemy of all that is civilized is interesting. It raises the stakes for your heroes, Mm. but because you know the big deal with Doctor Who is that the Doctor is the cleverest person. He will solve everything, and he will survive. You know, Mm. the worst that's going to happen is that he'll change into another version of himself. Yeah. Um, When with Dalek Empire, we could experiment with killing off some of the main characters. We could do that we could do that thing. In fact, my co-executive producer, Jason Hay said to me at one point, will you stop killing people because it's very popular and we need to do a second series, you know, and there'll be no one left. Mm. So I did actually change some of my plans. But there was always that feeling in the audience, that extra engagement, you know, like, oh no, I care about this person, but I think they might yeah, go! Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. It's almost like there's a, a lot more at stake really. You haven't yeah. got that safety of the doctor being yeah. there. So that's kind of quite
1: frightening really. Yeah, even yeah. though the doctor thing is of course massively rewarding and we love it. Yeah. And there's the coziness of it. But yeah, it was quite a fun mm. thing to experiment with and uh, but Terry Nation unfortunately wasn't able to uh, Well, I say unfortunately because he because he wasn't able to do that the Daleks were able to come back into Doctor Who and well, they've there been with us ever since. Exactly. Also, there is, undeniably, just something fascinating and cool about the design.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And also, but on another level, they're very British because they seem to be very sort of Heath Robinson. Robinson, I think that's the name of the guy, wasn't it? Sort of design, which is... uh, bits and pieces put together. They look like household objects and radiators yeah. and things, don't they?
0: Well, I think there's a reason for that, because um, they only had 50 quid yes. to make each Dalek.
1: and that was quite a lot and of money I think Quite a lot place. of money at the
0: time. I think the, the initial design was a, was a lot more interesting um, if you look at the, the uh, initial drawings that they did. Mm-hmm. But in the end, they didn't have enough money to make these props. So they had to get a sink plunger and yes. stick a sink plunger... A whisk. <laughs> well, not a whisk, but, you know, looks like a whisk. Um, and, and sort of just make do, really.
1: Yeah, necessity yeah. being the mother of invention. Mm. Quite often the best ideas come up mm. when there are no other options yes. on the table. And, uh, you know, it's the whole thing of sitting down and planning something and, and uh, rejecting loads of different ideas and trying to make it the best thing. Sometimes that just comes to nothing. Yeah, You just need someone to say, well, oh, let's quickly do that because we've got no time, we've got no money, let's just do it. And the Daleks are you know, an example of that. The other thing that works for me, for the Daleks, the reason I think they're so popular, one of the reasons, is that they are it's it's like your fridge suddenly shouting at you that it wants to murder you. You know what I mean? It's the it's the because I noticed yes. when I did one of the um, BBC Proms with the Daleks, the first one ever actually, they had the Dalek milling around in the central arena, and I said to the organisers while we were doing the rehearsal, and they're playing the Doctor Who theme, the entire you know Philharmonic Orchestra playing the Doctor Who theme, it's marvellous. And the Daleks moving around. And I said, "Do you want me to say exterminate during this?" And the, the one of the important people there was quite affronted. They said, "This is a concert. <laughs> you cannot. The music is playing. You cannot speak." So I said, okay, "Oh God, I thought I felt such a fool." And but then what happened on the first performance was when the Dalek just moved around on its own. The kids started getting close to it and it sort of looked lost and a little bit cute and was sort of looking around and waving (laughs) and they all they all held on to it and barney's inside and he can't move the thing because all the kids are holding on to it after the first performance that same person came up to me and said um maybe you should say something, yeah. you know. And so what I did is I waited until they all got on the diet and I just went, X, and they were just ran <laughs> for the trees, you know. So you think, yeah. ah, it is is—it is the voice it in some voice. ways that gives mm-hmm. it its evil quality, mm-hmm. even though it does kind of look like a tank as well.
0: Yeah, it, I agree. I think that voice is so, it just sets you on edge. It makes you jump almost. It's, it's yeah. so shouty and um, they just sound so... I mean mentally they just sound so ah, we have ah, like like they're not very relaxed creatures at all so um, whenever you hear yeah. that voice you do kind Definitely. of you puts you on edge I think yes yeah. and
1: and again for for people in the 60s it did sort of reflect the whole nazi thing mm-hmm. I remember in the 70s watching a series called World at War okay, which is all yeah, about yeah. the second world war and I remember particularly seeing an episode which showed footage of the show trials that the nazis held to uh, put on trial and then execute the guys who tried to blow up Hitler mm. towards the end of the war. And hearing the German uh, Nazi prosecutor mm. speaking to these poor guys who have clearly been already severely treated badly, um, that rasping voice, and I remember thinking, oh my God, that's kind of a Dalek. Yeah. You know, and I think that that, you know, that sort of stereotypical um, wartime view. Of that kind of Nazi voice as another thing they were aiming for, and when you know Peter Hawkins, the original voice artist, was asked to create a delivery, I think that's what, again, possibly unconsciously he was tapping into. Because yeah. I think now, if we create a villain, we often make them smooth-talking <laughs> and rather corporate, because those are our, our yeah, yeah, know, our paranoia about the whole world being run by unelected corporations, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, that's our preoccupation. And in, in those days, their preoccupation was mm. goose-stepping soldiers taking yeah. over your city you
0: know. yeah and it's such a imitable voice as well it's so yes. easy for children as well i, I can imagine uh, schools at the time teachers must have been so fed up with all these kids <laughs> <laughs> going around the playground shouting exterminate or in the classroom you know do this piece of work and they're like no and like, was like, <laughs> yes, <that's laughs> was right. like i will exterminate one, it instead <laughs> i mean yes. i can imagine I'm, I'm sure i was you did one of that. those yeah. kids yeah 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 we
1: used to <laughs> We used to write, it would almost, some uh, lunchtimes it would be almost like the whole school would take part and um, one lot would be the good guys and the others would be the Daleks and so they'd just be screaming oh. at each other and uh, chasing. And the Daleks would always win, of course, because yeah. they just screamed and ran at people, you know.
0: Speaking of voices, mm. um, were you, I mean, you're always interested in, in the Dalek voice. In 2005, when uh, Dr. Who was coming back on TV, mm. um, I mean, you were obviously. The, the, the person to go to. So, where did that start? Well, I mean.
1: Oh, well, the story is this that they had a sort of preliminary meeting of all the licensed people, people licensed by the BBC to do Doctor Who stuff. And uh, I, I wasn't there. And I think it was Clayton Hickman who was the editor of Doctor Who magazine then. Uh, put his hand up and said to Russell, you know, if you're bringing back the Daleks and they'd shown, I think they'd shown them provisional drawings and things, oh yes, the Daleks come in. If you're bringing back the Daleks, he said, are you going to get Nick Briggs to do the voice, <laughs> you see, because Clay listened to Big Finish and Russell T. Davis mm-hmm. listened to Big Finish, which Clay knew. And Russell said, yes, we are, <laughs> but don't tell him yet because we haven't contacted his agent, you see. Mm-hmm. After that meeting, several people, one of which was, of course, Clay Hickman, uh, phoned me um, and said, listen, don't say anything to anyone, but you are going to be the voice of the Daleks. Well, it seemed like an eternity between those phone calls from various people. I imagine them sort of hiding in phone boxes, mm. you know, on the, <laughs> in the middle of the night. Um, it, it, the, the time it took for something actually to happen was, was horrific for mm. me. But during that time, my You know, best friend Rob Shearman uh, started writing Dalek Mm -hmm. and wanted me sneakily to read it. And he'd be (laughs) retrospectively executed for breaking confidentiality like that. And I said, no, no. And I thought, I can't read it because it may not be me doing the voice. And, you know, and then I heard various famous names from gossipy people on the Internet who purported to know that were going to do the Daleks. And I thought, oh, of course, they'll just get someone really famous. Of course they will. Why would I be doing it? I'm just nobody, (laughs) you know. But luckily I got a phone call from my then-agent who hardly ever phoned me, so when he phoned me I thought this has got to be the Doctor yeah. Who thing, you know. Yeah. And, and the, I think the second person I texted about it was David Tennant. Oh. <laughs> and he wasn't even Doctor Who <laughs> at that point, I had no idea he was going to be Doctor
0: Who. Oh. Well in contrast to the Cybermen who, uh, as we spoke about last month, constantly trying to upgrade and improve, the Daleks, in their eyes, are perfect. So why would they change? And I think, as you mentioned earlier, that's one of uh, the keys to their success. Really, is that they are so consistent. We know what we're going to get. We have, on occasion, seen the Daleks uh, be quite uh, devious mm. and quite duplicitous. And, and uh, namely, Power of the Daleks, Definitely. where they are, uh, they're not. Very powerful, so they have to use the humans and have to pretend that they're servants while while they go off and and start multiplying and, and, and you know and very slowly start gaining power but I think that 's really interesting when we see the Daleks uh, be be smart and intellectual because uh, I think sometimes uh, especially later on, they do become these sort of just shouty killing machines, mm. and I think mm. Daleks are much more scary when they think
1: definitely I think that uh and we have done some of that in the new series on television. Mm. Yeah, uh, the, it, I think the brilliant thing about Power of the Daleks, which I've gone on about a lot, but not to you, so we're okay, <laughs> um, is that, it, that it's got what they call dramatic irony, which yes. is yes. that the audience know something that the characters don't, that the Daleks are bad, and they're going, it's, you know, and they're being so sneaky. Even the, doc- the doctor is there saying, these guys are going to kill you, yeah. But they're so sneaky, talking over him, saying, I am your servant. You know, a victory of the Daleks with Matt Smith Mm, later. I am your soldier. Written by Mark Gatiss. Mark said, when you say soldier, could you just pause slightly so people think you're going to say servant? (laughs) I am your soldier.
0: But all of them, I guess, uh, you know, the, the, the key thing with the Daleks is the racial purity thing. Yes. Which is interesting, because when we get to the 80s, we get to Remembrance, where, where you have uh, uh, the two opposing sides, a civil Dalek civil war almost, mm. you know. Uh, and so you start to get these sort of different divisions of Daleks sort of shoot off, which is interesting. And um,
1: Well, that was part of the developing storyline with them bringing Davros y- yeah. in. Yeah. You know, doing the origin story with Davros, Genesis of the Daleks. And then later on, having the Daleks go back to sort of resuscitate Davros, to get him to solve a problem Mm. for them. And then you get this sort of idea that some of the Daleks are loyal to Davros and the others think, well, who's he? You know, we've managed all right without him for many years. And also their racial purity thing, they think, well, we're fine. You know, we don't need help from the creator. We've outlived that. So that does create a very interesting vibe in the storylines. And I think, uh, and, you know, Ben Aronovich, who who wrote uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, was, was very keen on, you know, when he was tackling that, to go back to the origins, he thought, well, come on, they are the Nazis, let's yeah. do the racial purity thing. And I think there is also a tendency historically, not to sound too <laughs> socio-political, um, for extreme groups to split, yes. because they become so dogmatic about yes. what they think, they start to disagree with each other on small points of ideology, and mm-hmm. I think that's what the factions of the Daleks are about. You know, they're. You know, from the outside, you just think, "Well, you're all nasty, and we're all yeah. going to die as a result of your civil war. So, what's the difference for us? But for them, the difference is... they are
0: all fundamentalists, really, aren't yes, they? Yeah, yes, in their yeah. own in yes. their own way. They don't have yeah. any
1: doubts, you see. No, and I think not having doubts is is really, really dangerous. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what makes them really scary. I think yes. it is it is the fact that you can't you can't reason with a doubt. no negotiation you can't, no nego- negotiation and it's uh, yeah very narrow focused and. Um, if you don't fit in, if you're not like them, that's it. I mean, even in the um, novelisation of Remembrance, the Special uh, special Weapons Dalek is called an abomination mm. by the Daleks because the Special Weapons Dalek is different and doesn't fit in.
1: Yeah, but um, they can use its power. But, but they can yeah. use its
0: power. So, so I yeah. think when it suits them, they will. I think, you know, they will you know, compromise, or they'll put up with, they'll put up with something if they, if they have to. Um, I mean, even in uh, The End of Heaven Sent, um, uh, the Doctor says, with all the sort of speculation about what the hybrid is, the Doctor says nothing would be half Dalek. They wouldn't allow it, you know. Although we do see the human Dalek thing happen. And...
1: Well, that's it. I mean, it's just the Doctor's opinion. I mean, so... I think one thing is that the, the mm. Doctor, because he is essentially an optimist, Yes. Even though he has moments of extreme <laughs> pessimism. I think he's always bizarrely surprised by the Daleks never changing. Mm. I think he, you know, he, he goes, oh, they're really bad, aren't they? <laughs> you know, and, it's, and you feel like the Daleks are going to go, duh, you know. Uh, but yeah, that, that's one of, oh, but that's what we love about the Doctor, mm-hmm. because he has hope. You know, and there is no hope with a Dalek, but he always entertains. That's certainly something I've explored in some of my Dalek scripts for Big Finish, that the doctor it's just I just would hope that you mm-hmm. will offer me the opportunity of you changing. You know, because yeah. one of the things we haven't mentioned about the Daleks is they're really clever. They have a fierce yes. intellect. Yeah. You know, they can solve lots of problems. Mm-hmm. They've done some really clever stuff. They just use it all for the wrong thing. Mm. It's so sad. Oh. <laughs>
0: Well, interestingly, the uh, the invention of the Time War that that Russell created in two thousand and five sort of gave them a whole new lease of life, really, and and I think um, gave uh, the Doctor uh, gave, gave just, justified the the sort of hate between the the Doctor and the Daleks, and and um, and actually, I think in in uh, Dalek, which I watched again recently, I think we we learn we were reminded of how dangerous one Dalek can yes. be, and and I think. Um, sort of reinvented them, if that makes sense. Mm, no, absolutely. Yeah. That
1: was something Rob Sherman was very keen on, the, you know, who wrote it, it was mm. very keen on the idea of, you know, uh, where, where there's that scene, isn't there, where he says, what's the doctor says, what's the nearest uh, city? And they say so and, so, and he said yeah, yeah, they're all dead. That's it, yeah. They're all dead. But one Dalek gets in there, they'll all be dead. They won't be able to kill it. It will just kill all of them. Yes, I think it was what Russell did. I remember first hearing about it from Rob. Rob said, "You know, they're changing something in the new series. They're saying that there was a big war between the Daleks and the Time Lords, and the, they were all wiped out." Um, and the whole business—the whole business of the Time War—is Russell looking at um, old Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who, from the point of view of a very creative writer, reinventing it, isn't it? Now, what's the evidence here? <laughs> The doctor was sent by the time lords to stop the Daleks being created, but he failed. The Daleks are never going to let that go. No. They're, they're, inevitably, there's going to be some huge conflict between them. And also he'd seen in other Dalek stories, that Daleks could time travel. You know, they they were cruising for a... Mm. Yes, it was bound to happen. <laughs> it was a really smart thing to do. And I yes. remember when Rob told yeah. me, and we think of it as normal now, but it was quite a radical, different yeah. idea. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had no... It took me two seconds to think it was brilliant, Mm -hmm. you know, after he told me. I was thinking, that's a huge, that's
0: fantastic. Well, it's huge. It is huge. And I think, you know, not just the Daleks, but having the Doctor's the last of his kind. Um, Particularly in that story as well, you have the last. Well supposedly the last Dalek yeah. the last uh, time Lord, and you have, you have both of them in the room together, and I think what's really highlighted is their similarities: Yes, and how similar they are, which, th- which the doctor hates, yeah. you know, and uh, because the Dalek says we are the same, and, and, and the doctor will not have that.
1: yeah and of course, you eventually find out that you know the doctor did do something yeah. terrible. but the brilliant thing about that is it made the doctor and the Daleks really special.: yes, you know. You're doing Doctor Who. You have to make sure that it's about someone who means a lot in the history of the universe, mm. and the Daleks. You look at the classic series. You know they were clearly the most popular, important Doctor Who monster. You know, uh, some people they're not quite to their taste, say. But you know, you can't even those who maybe don't like the Daleks, mm-hmm. Doctor Who fans who don't like the Daleks. I'm sure there aren't many of them. They can't, uh, <laughs> they can't deny that they are big and they exactly. are successful and you know Russell was just sort of saying well let's say that then, let's say they are the biggest enemy of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. That had never actually been said before but you know, he, you know he hung a lantern on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's worth talking about the Peter Cushing films because I think for, for the Daleks to appear in uh, two very big uh, colour, you know, Films that people could, you know, go to the cinema to see. It's quite. That's quite a big thing, isn't it? Mm. I mean,
1: it's hu- huge. And um for some reason, I didn't see them. I mm. think my mother had had, had enough uh, trouble <laughs> taking me to see the Thunderbirds <laughs> movies, which she, or oh, for her, it was just explosions. Well, she was right; they were just amazing explosions. And and I think she thought, oh, not Doctor oh, not Who again. as well. <laughs> not doing that. Not doing that. So uh yeah, I. um I never got to see them in the 60s, but when they came on the television in the, in the 70s, I, I remembered seeing clips of them on the television from when I was a kid and thinking, well, this is incredible. There seemed to be like a million Daleks in
0: Yeah, and a million the... colours as
1: well. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, well, I only had a black and white television until oh. 1977, yeah. so even the clips I saw were in oh, black see. and white. But I tell yeah. you, when you live in the black and white era, you, you don't notice no. it's not in color mm-hmm. So I, that, was, that was quite a moment yeah. in my childhood when my mother pointed out to me, well, how do you know that jacket's green? I said, well, it's obviously green. She said, if just look again. And I go, yeah, it's green, it's green. No, it's grey, Nick. And I thought, television's not in colour. Had no idea Aww. up until she ruined my life. And told me. <laughs> um, so it's just, yeah, an incredible thing, those movies. They don't fit with the continuity no. of Doctor Who at all, but they didn't try to, you know. Yeah. Uh, they just thought, well, I think... I think the concepts involved in Doctor Who, such as they were then, tiny and and hardly revealed, were just a bit too dark for the kind of movie they thought they should be making for kids. Mm. So they just wanted someone to come and say, I am Doctor Who and this is my TARDIS and I've made it, i put it in my garden. For some reason it looks like a police box. I've gone completely mad and the neighbours are trying to get me evicted.
0: That is exactly what it's like. It is, well. yeah. My yeah. son, who's seven
1: years old, he says, "Oh, Daddy, can we watch I Am Doctor Who?" <laughs> <laughs> he does. He, lo- I mean, Dalek invasion of <laughs> Earth, twenty one fifty eight, it's just that yeah, yeah. cracking
0: one. Because the, because the TV episode is bleak. It's one of my favourites, and, mm. and the reason why I love it so much is because it is it is such a uh, bleak uh, vision yeah. of the future, and it's it's so totally plausible to me as well. And. It's not really. I mean, for children, it's not. It's not jolly. No, so, it's real
1: Nazi occupation yeah, stuff, isn't it? and it's yeah. very slow, and it's very. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and the Dalek voices are terrible because they just turn the <laughs> ring modulation <down. laughs> so they just sound like we are the masters of Earth. You know, they literally sound like that. There's they, one bit, isn't do, there, when, when the, the Dalek commander or Dalek Supreme or whatever rank he is, I can't remember. Mm. They kept repainting them throughout the story, did not they? Um, uh, heads towards the microphone to announce, mm. uh, you know, defeat to the Londoners, and he and as he goes towards the microphone, he goes, ah, <laughs> ah. Like, I'm going to tell them now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is exactly what it's like. But yeah, the um, <clears throat> but yeah, the films I think um, uh, are fantastic and yes. just so much fun, and the music's great. Oh, it's all very
1: jazz. Oh, it's yeah, just
0: so right. nice. And you just get such a warm, fuzzy feeling that's watching true. them.
1: Some Doctor Who fans yeah. really hate them.
0: Do they? Yeah, I've I, I not mean, met really. any oh. <laughs> that don't like them much. But. Yeah, a lot oh. of people. I, I was
1: shocked because when I started to meet other Doctor Who fans, I was like, oh, think you like those. It's because they don't <laughs> fit dear. with the continuities. No,
0: no. But, yeah. but I, I accept that. I mean, I think that you know, in in the world of Doctor Who, I think it's perfect, perfectly plausible for a film to be made about this mysterious character that they've heard stories about. And yes. I think in at the fiftieth, I think they. Um, uh, there was there was uh, a, a stories about uh, I've heard that they were going to try and slot that in somehow um, by putting a picture of Peter Cushing in the Black Archive,
1: right? Yeah, and wow. and sort of
0: justifying the films as uh, films set in set in the Doctor Who universe, but films that were made about the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, a bit like you know you, I mean there's lots of myths and legends around the Doctor you know as we see with Clive and his li- his little room of you know, yeah, artifacts yeah. and pictures and all, like, you know, obsessing over the Doctor. So I think the Doctor has fans. He gathers fans over time. Well,
1: so there has to be, we have to do a story where Milton Sabotsky <laughs> meets the Doctor and he's the producer of the movies yeah. and, you know, and he yeah, just yeah. thinks, this guy's incredible. I'm, I'm going to make a make movie it. about that guy. Exactly. I don't know whether that's how Milton Sabotsky spoke, but in my film about in, him, yes. that's how he speaks. Yes. yes,
0: yes. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for joining us to talk about the Daleks. And for more from Doctor Who, the Fan Show, uh, go to youtube.com forward slash... Doctor Who. And of course, Bigfinish.com for amazing audio adventures. Bye!
1: Thank you for listening to this BBC Worldwide Digital Studios podcast. For more from Doctor Who the fan show, visit youtube.com forward/doctor Who.